Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise be to the Lord that he has given us his son, Jesus Christ. Praise be to him that he has given us his spirit that enables us to meditate upon his great love for us. And as we meditate upon that great love, we are able to, by his grace, by his mercy, through that same given Holy Spirit, to be able to understand and to obey, and more importantly, to enjoy being with our Savior and following our Savior. Sometimes theology feels like an academic exercise. Sometimes we want simply the simple gospel without going through its details. But as we continue to grow in our age, and as we continue to grow in our spirituality, we need to continue to deep, dig deeper into theology that we may be equipped truly to follow our Lord. I think of it as a good cup of coffee. I still remember when I first uh, many of you were still in college, some in high school. And by that time, had I myself had gotten a taste for coffee and really enjoyed coffee with all this complexity. And many of you were just drinking coffee just to stay up uh, for exam for the next day. But coffee was still good coffee. But as you grew older and as some of you decided that coffee was something that you couldn't live without, you start to understand its complexity and its richness, even though coffee still is a simple being. But the Lord has given us, in many ways, something as simple as the gospel that the children can hear and understand, but something as rich and complex that all of us who continue to grow in the Lord must seek to understand. Colossians chapter 3 puts it this way. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, if we continue to read Colossians chapter 3, you would think that what Paul is arguing is keep your mind in heaven. Don't think about the troubles of this world. Set your minds in heaven. Don't worry about the struggles that you have in this world. But if you continue on in Colossians 3, you will see that Paul's argument goes something like this. Know what Jesus has done for you. Know where Jesus resides right now. Know what Jesus is doing at this very moment. Know exactly how he loves you right now. 
Why? Then it gives you strength to live this life powerfully. To put off the old self. To put on the new self. To say no to sin. No to self-righteousness. And to say yes to holiness. And yes to God's kingdom. And yes to God's ways. But for us to have the strength to do it, we need to know what God is doing. We need to understand Jesus' ministry to us today, even at this very moment. Today, we are going to learn about Jesus' exaltation. What it means that Jesus has been exalted. Last week, we learned about his humiliation and the fact that he had to take some steps down, that he came down from heaven to earth, that he hid his deity, his divine side, that he became human just like you and I, that he suffered like you and I, that he fulfilled all righteousness by obeying the laws perfectly, that he may eventually give that righteousness to transfer that righteousness or to impute that righteousness to you and I who believe in him. His humiliation culminated in his death. That at that point, he was the furthest away from fellowship with God that he was experiencing fully the wrath of God, and that wrath being not only punishment, but more importantly, that wrath is a, the separation from his father. Now we know how the story continues. And the exaltation of Christ consists of his resurrection, his ascent into heaven, has being placed at the right hand of God in the throne room, and then his eventual return to earth. And this exaltation of Jesus is not only for God's glory and God's glory alone, but this exaltation of Jesus gives us strength today to live our lives here today with confidence and power. We are here to understand what Jesus is doing now. And we are here to understand that this knowledge will give us strength by his Holy Spirit to follow him. Now today, I'm not going to go over all of the five points of his exaltation, just a few. But I do hope that these things will encourage all of you. First is that we know that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. And that when he resurrected from the dead, he resurrected with his body. He did not sort of resurrect just as a spirit and that, or, or that his body remained in the ground. We know that when he appeared to the disciples, he did not appear as a ghost, but appeared as a man, fully flesh. 
He even ate a piece of fish just to prove his point that he was not an apparition, but he was a man who was walking amongst them. That same man, Jesus, who had suffered and died on that cross. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about this as Jesus being the first fruits of the resurrection. That the raising of the body is basically God saying to all of us that humanity will be saved in its totality. That you and I will be saved in our totality. That it is not simply the spirit or the inner being that is saved, but it's all of us that is being saved. The resurrection tells us that the corporal reality, the physical reality that is around us is actually, actually good. But was simply tainted by sin, just like everything else. And we, here we have Jesus resurrected in his bodily form. And not only is he resurrected in his bodily form, but when he ascended into heaven, he is ascended into heaven in his bodily form as well. This is interesting. And this is something that theologians have talked about. But we know that Jesus is up in heaven right now still united with God as the Holy Trinity, that, ha- that never disappears. But somehow, in the heavenly realms, Jesus has a body. Now you may say, what's the big deal about that? It means that Jesus not only cares for us, spiritually and who we are, but Jesus cares for us as created beings, as corporal beings, as people with a body on this earth. When Jesus, when Paul says that this this body momentarily will eventually pass away, he is not saying that we will be stripped of this body and live simply in spiritual form. He's talking about when Jesus eventually comes back, we will have a new glorified body in him. That everything, the new heavens and the new earth that come down, will look just like what we see today, but in a glorified form. For us, this means that we care for the created order. We care for our bodies. We care for other people's needs and hurts. That physical ailments are not simply a mirage. That physical ailments are not something that we need to say mind over matter. But these physical ailments of disease, of sickness, God does care for. And that we know that when God returns... That Jesus, who is the first fruit, the first fruit of the resurrection, that eventually you and I will follow in that step. And that you and I will secure that perfect body with God forever. You see, Jesus himself in his resurrection is simply foreshadowing 
and is simply securing the promise that one day we will be made perfect as he is perfect. Praise be to God that even though this world around us seems to vacillate between good and evil, that one day when the Lord comes back, this world will be made perfect in his eyes and that we will be able to live with Jesus and with one another forever and ever with no disease, no illness, that all of us will have this perfect body to enjoy God and to enjoy his perfected creation. What does this perfect body look like? I think the, the best analogy I ever heard was if you were to describe somebody who was born blind and tried to describe what it means to see, it would be very difficult for them to understand. Never having any experience of what it means to, to see color. Now, you could try to explain it with analogies. Red, something hot. Blue, something cold. But then that one day, perhaps with a scientific invention that they see for the first time, that type of input would be overwhelming to them and exciting to them at the same time, experiencing something they've never experienced before. When our bodies are made whole and glorified, we too will experience the perfection of the physical body that was meant to be. And it will pale in comparison to what we know today. So yes, even though all of us are, well, at least I am, wasting away at my age, all of us will one day be made perfect in him. Now, when Jesus resurrected, he stayed with his disciples for a while. And they saw him in his bodily form. But then Jesus said, I have to go back to my father. And this is the Pentecost. This is when he goes up back into heaven. And when he goes back into heaven, he is doing something for you and me. There are two things in particular in his ascension, in his placement at the right hand of God, that is important for us to understand about Jesus's ministry for you and me. Number one, he is preparing a room for you and I in heaven. Let me say that again. He is preparing a place for you and I in heaven. He is in his spirit and his infinite wisdom with the Father and the Spirit, preparing a place where you and I will reside for all of eternity. It is a place where we each as individuals have a place that is named for ourselves. 
It is a place where we will be honored as children of God. It is a place where we will recognize as our home. Jesus, in many ways, has bought prime real estate for us. You don't need to go out and get a mortgage. You don't need to go out house hunting. You do not need to figure out where you're going to live next year, five years, ten years from now. God has a place for you for all of eternity, mortgage-free. A place of perfection to live. This promise that he has given us that we will have a room with the Lord, with Jesus, with our brothers and sisters, together in perfect community, gives us hope. That no matter what we suffer here today, how homeless we may feel here in this world today, that God has a place for us to reside in. Brothers and sisters, and this is a promise that we can hold out not only to ourselves, but to all peoples. That the Lord himself deeply loves them. That they who believe in Jesus will have a place to rest their heads and to enjoy God's presence. The second thing that, that Jesus does for us at the right hand of God is that he intercedes on behalf of you and me. His intercessory um, ministry is that he has been placed at the right hand of God and he continues to intercede on behalf of you and me. Now, the roles that we see here in the Trinity, we see here that, that Jesus is the Father, and he's sort of the, the King. And perhaps Jesus is sort of, at, at, he's at the right hand of God. So he's, he's the number, after the King, the number one man, right? And the number one man has, has the year of the king. And so Jesus, as being that intercessor, is able to, to take all of our needs, all of the things that we, we, we desire, all of the sins that need forgiven, and he's able to talk with the Father and garner his power and his wisdom for your benefit. And for ours, Jesus is constantly for you, and he's never, ever against you. And so in our lives today, oftentimes we want to hear someone to just go to bat for me. Someone, please just go to bat for me. Someone, please just understand what I'm going through. Someone, please, you know, I'm having issues with someone else in, in my family or someone else in church or someone else in work. Is there someone who can intercede for me? Is there someone who could make my heart known to someone else? Is there someone who can rectify this situation? 
All of us have issues like that. All of us have relationships like that, where we wish someone could intercede and make things whole again. We have that someone. We have that person named Jesus who constantly intercedes on behalf of us, not only for us to God, but intercedes for us on behalf of us with other people as well. It is why we run to Jesus first in all things. Not to our brothers and sisters in Christ. They'll be second. <laughs> not to the internet for some validation. But we run to Jesus. For who else knows my heart more than Jesus? Who else knows the heart of the other person more than Jesus? And who else knows God's own heart more than Jesus? We run to him who gives us access to all knowledge, wisdom, and power. Jesus himself at the right hand of God has been given a place of ruling as the God-man that is functionally a bit different than before he came down. He is now the, the, the second Adam. He now rules over all things, that every knee and every tongue shall bow at the knee of Jesus Christ. And we see that Jesus' rule over us is going to be sympathetic. It's going to be truthful. And it's going to be led in such a way that it'll always be for our good. Think about it. Jesus is ruling us now, not simply as the third person of the Trinity, but he's ruling us as the third person of the Trinity who has gone through everything that we will go through, but yet was without sin. That he knows our hearts, he knows what we're going through. And so his ruling over us is as if, not as it is, as a man who knows what it means to be human. And he rules with perfection, knowing what to give us and when to give us these things. Brothers and sisters, when we say that Jesus is at the right hand of God, when we say that Jesus is exalted on high, it's not only, once again, for his name and his namesake, but it's for also to prepare things for you. He's preparing a room for you for all of eternity. He's interceding on behalf of you for the Father. Whenever you pray for him, even when you don't pray, he is interceding on behalf of you. He is ruling all of creation, and he rules providentially over your life with wisdom, with kindness. And lastly, he will return. And when he returns, 
his exaltation will be complete. For all of humanity will see that Jesus is the true and rightful king. And indeed, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. All of creation will see and know that this is the rightful king who has returned to take his place. And we who are with him, been loved and saved by him, will rejoice for all of eternity. Praise be to our God. Colossians chapter 3, once again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Why? When you do so, and you see the Lord working for you, then you can put away anger, put away wrath and malice, put away lying to one another, that you will start to put on the new self, that you would be compassionate, kind, filled with humility, forgiving one another, not complaining against one another, and that we would continue to let God's word enrich our hearts. May the knowledge of God through his Holy Spirit encourage you to walk in joyful obedience. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you raised your son Jesus from the dead. He's no longer, Lord, cold in the ground. But Lord, you have given him a new body and he reigns in heaven as the God-man. And he reigns in heaven, Lord, for his own glory and for your glory. And he reigns in such a way, Lord, that all he does, Lord, is for the good of his elect, the good of his people, for you, for, 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 for us, Lord, who believe in you. Lord, we look forward to the day, Lord, where you will return and that we will see where our home is. We will see our new bodies. We will see, Lord, the sinful side of us, Lord, taken away. And we will live with you forever. But we also know, Lord, that you minister to us today in this already not yet period. You continue to intercede for us. You continue to hear us. And you continue, Lord, to rule over us in such a way, Lord, that you draw us near to you. So, Lord, whether it is today and the sufferings and the difficulties of today, you are ruling well over us. And whether it is the hope that we look for when you return, we know that that hope is being secured by you and you again. So, Lord, what can separate us from you? What can dash our hopes? Nothing if we keep our eyes upon you. So help us to do so not only as individuals, but help us to do so as a church. Let us remind one another, Lord, 
And let us desire to be reminded as well of your love and goodness towards us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.